1: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. On August 25th.
3: I'm the most brutal,
2: vicious, ruthless champion that ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young,
0: rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down.
2: Starring Travante Rhodes. I'm, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you i'm really gonna have some fun mike series premiere august 25th only on hulu
0: Hi, welcome to that Mill Podcast. We're back for another episode. This is episode number fourteen. Uh, I did get it wrong last week, but still, don't worry. Today's a guest. We've got a special guest, but as always, I have the football guru with us, the one and only Kai Bennett. Good evening, Kai.
3: Good evening to you too, Mickey. How you doing?
0: Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. So uh, enjoying the sunshine. So yeah, <laughs> topping up the 10. Um our special guest tonight is Twitter Famous. So famous they made a copy account of him on transfer day. Uh he works for the South London Press. Most Millwall fans will know him. Most train spotters definitely know him. Um we've got the one and only Richard Carley. How are you doing?
1: I'm very good, thanks, Mickey. Yeah, yourself?
0: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. All good, all good. So thanks very much for joining us um today. Hopefully we give you an easy ride. Uh it shouldn't be too hard, but yeah, hopefully no no difficult questions.
1: Well, that's that's uh, that's good to hear because um, I'm I'm usually the one that tries to ask a few difficult questions. Whether that actually happens that often, I don't know. But yeah, be gen- be gentle with me. I don't do too many podcasts. <laughs> no,
0: that is it. We'll be gentle. But look, if you want to listen to uh, Rich share the secrets of being a football journalist, then that's quite easy. Just come back after this. <laughs> Twitter sensation,
3: a, <laughs> football,
0: a football journalist um, who supports a dodgy team um, somewhere along the river, who um, we've had a great away day there, probably about six years ago when Millwall fans overtook a Korean wedding, um, what was taking place on the park next to next to Fulham's ground. But we got the one and only Richard Cowley from South London Press. Good evening, Richard.
1: Good evening. How are we doing?
0: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. So yeah, that was that was the first year we played Fulham in a while, and we went all the way down there. We took, I think we took about six boats, and where we moored up, and obviously you walk through the park. There was a a Korean or I think it was a Korean wedding taking place, and they were having pictures on the river in the park. And all of a sudden, they got inundated by about four and a half thousand Millwall fans because we just we literally took over because you had the neutral stand. We literally right. took every ticket in the neutral stand, and all our allocations. So I think we took nearly about seven and a half, eight thousand fans there. It was manic. But, yeah, it was a, a jolly good day out. Um, but, yeah, there's still those wedding photos popping around, I think, and they'll be looking at that going, didn't invite all these guests. I don't know who they are. So, <laughs> They're
1: well. not going to forget that in a hurry, are they?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> so um, I suppose we'll start as the latest bit of information was there, was um, how was it for you then on transfer deadline day then? Because obviously you report on the South London clubs, you do two, you obviously you do the train and you do us. Um, so how was it for you that day? Sorry, I had to throw the dig in there.
1: Well, uh, Millwall was fairly calm as it tends to be most, win- most ends of the sort of windows, you kind of find that Millwall are fairly organised and get most of their business done. So there was only, Obviously, the possibility of one deal being done—that always looked to be the case, unless there was any dramatic outs, um, which there obviously weren't. Uh, apart from obviously Marlon and Romeo going, but there weren't other ones like John Daddy and and maybe Tomo that would have, I think, opened up the door, opened up a bit more budget for other deals to come in. Obviously, Charlton were busy; um, they still had quite a bit to do. Uh, I, I, Transfer window is a funny one. Like, obviously, you do well. Um, you know, the fans want that interaction, which I get. Uh, it's as a journalist, sometimes it can be a bit of a, a bit of a stress, really, uh, because you you're kind of trying to get to the bottom of what's going on, and it isn't always mega easy uh, because there's a lot of names and it's very fluid, it's moving all the time. Uh, you know, there, there's an element of sort of plate spinning. So, like a club will have three or four players on the go, trying to piece all that together can be quite difficult. But luckily with Millwall, it was all fairly easy to to, to keep on top of. Obviously, the one deal in um with, with Shahi Ojo coming in. So um it wasn't too bad. But I'm kind of relieved once it's done because you think right well, we can just concentrate on games. It's not always thinking what's going on with transfers and you know you can you can get on with reporting on the matches. But obviously transfers are a big big draw for the website. It's what people ask about more often than not. Half the time I can't say people ask me quite often any updates and it's as if you're gonna withhold the information which Obviously, if ever I can write stuff or I can put stuff out there, I always do. So, but I don't mind people asking, but it just means that sometimes I look like I'm a bit of a rude sod, not answering them and ignoring them.
0: I mean, OJ was a come up on the uh, on the outside, really, didn't he? I mean, no one really thought we were going to go after that player until it, well, until probably you posted your tweet, yeah,
1: yeah, um,
0: and then everyone jumped because I think. Um, and YouTube done it, and because he was doing a live feed, he he popped it up, and a couple of others jumped on it from there. But no one really knew who he was, or or really that he was available. Um, no. And where, where was that through? Was that through our scouting, or was that just through relationship? What Gary's got, or do you know how I, that
1: come about? I, I think it's a combination. To be honest, I mean the the, the player that I think they were obviously interesting, I mentioned it, I think, in a few pieces as well, was Luke Freeman. Um, they obviously were were keen on him. I think he was a, obviously a different option to to, to what they brought in because he's a sort of creative attacking midfielder that plays more centrally, very clever on the ball. He's from Dartford, so I think it kind of worked, perhaps, like being able to get back family back nearer to home. Um, the problem with Freeman was that it sounded like it was – All systems go for quite a bit of the towards the back end of the window, but then obviously he got in. He played, didn't he, in their last game? He came on at half time, played well by all accounts. Obviously, I didn't see it, but played well by all accounts. The Sheffield United fans like him, I suppose. Jurcanovic coming under a bit of pressure to probably bring him into the side when the team aren't um, playing. You know, Sheffield United haven't really started like West Brom and Fulham have, have they? So I think that kind of then meant that that door suddenly closed. And I think then you look at the other options that are out there. And I don't think you can say that Shay is sort of a, a light for light replacement. He's obviously not. Um, it's interesting, though, you know, I mean, Adam Barrett, uh, Gary mentioned that Adam Barrett was on the phone to uh, David Livermore. Um, so they, I think as well, they had conversated. I don't know whether Chopper got involved. But the thing I would say is that with Chopper, Chopper and Livers, I, one of the things I learned over the time covering the club when they were there, they were really strong on having the right kind of characters and the right kind of people that would fit into that changing room and that's why that changing room's been so good for so many years and the, the bedrock of that was 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 chopper and and obviously well, i suppose chopper more than livers because livers is, was a coach um so i think they probably did a bit of background i'm guessing at that stage you're probably thinking who can we get and i think i think he's not a bad option to bring in i mean he scored um i think it's off the top of my head was it five goals seven assists last last season for Cardiff?
3: Yeah, it is. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think he's a good option. I mean, whether he's, um, whether he's exactly what Millwall need, I guess we'll find out as we go along. Um, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was a solid rather than sort of not blow your socks off window for Millwall, but it can be difficult. You know, Millwall have been in the championship for quite a while. You could spend an awful lot of money and not really progress your team that much. And, not not really give yourself much of a better chance of getting promoted so I think that that's the dilemma for Millwall how deep do you go how, well it's John Belson isn't it how deep does John want to go in terms of dipping into his pockets and, and spending a bit more money
0: yeah no I agree I think you know I think if John thought that the premiership was reachable then I think he'd probably invest some, some money into it if we needed to I think John's a great chairman for us uh, yeah. you know he, he has been over the years. We've spoken about him quite a few times on the show. Um, Smothered on the transfer window was, I suppose, really the writing's been on the wall for a while that Romeo was going to leave. Um, mm. And was that last minute, or was that was that a bit more than you know? We knew it was going to be happening before, and we just was it just really deciding what club he was going to go to?
1: Yeah, I think I think probably with Marlon, I think that I think he was always going to the likelihood was that he would probably move on in this window for, for various reasons, which yeah, I probably won't go, see. I won't really go into too much detail on that. Um, no. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think the problem was where the Portsmouth could come to a figure that would make it workable. And I think that was always the problem. It was the same with Tomo in previous windows, perhaps that they liked him as a player, but sometimes he was maybe seen as more important to Millwall. I'm, potentially that last window, I think if a club had, probably given a bit more budget budget up, it might well have happened. Um, so that was the question with Marlon, I think, as to whether he would go or not. Um, I think people probably, I would say that I was speaking to, expected him to go. Yeah. Um, and so that one wasn't a huge surprise. I mean, obviously, we, I did the story at the start of the winter summer where I said that the club were open to offers for John Daddy, which seemed to be well-received by a lot of Millwall fans. I mean, the problem with that is... You can make a player available, but actually getting them to move or them deciding they want to go, you can't always do that. And I think I mentioned it in the paper last week that uh, John Daddy did have interest from abroad and from League One, uh, but didn't feel they were the right moves for him. So,
0: And also, um, it all depends on how much money he's on. If he's on a good whack here and he's, you know, he might as well just see out his contract, because there's yeah, not a lot really the club can do about it. And that's
1: no, the problem. I'm not, yeah, definitely. And I think the thing is, you know, people say, like, oh, the clubs just pay them up. But I mean, like, that's like if, I had an, if you had an employer and you, employee and you thought you might be able to use them, you're not just going to say, I mean, normally a player has to take a percentage or whatever. That can get quite messy. Obviously, John Daddy came from Reading. He won't be on a, a low salary, certainly. Um, so I think, I think there was interest and that potentially was at a level that worked to free up a bit of money in the wage bill maybe for Millwall to do something else but I mean I I don't know John Daddy's obviously got to make his own decision he's got that contract I mean if he if he wants to stay he's got the possibility he's not going to feature very much he's going to come out of contract next summer and is that a good decision not to maybe go abroad or to lead one maybe score more goals and you maybe then get a bit more of a demand for you and that helps with your next move but so hard isn't it I think when you sign players you have to Sort of work on the basis you might be kept, you might keep those players for the duration of their contract, and you saw it even to a large degree almost with Yuri Skalak, didn't you? I mean, Yuri almost did yeah. the whole of his contract. Um, I think he left maybe the last window before. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the problem the bench,
0: getting paid good yeah. money for sitting on a bench, yeah, um, being a warm up. So, so yeah, um, obviously, the two youngsters, Alex Mitchell, um, has gone to. Leighton, hasn't he? Yep. Yeah,
1: Leighton. That's a
0: good move. I, f- I see that personally as a good move for him.
1: Yeah, I'll oh, definitely. I think young players going out, I just think it's huge. I mean, I know fans want to see them. Um, I think the problem you've got is that players come on so much quite often when they go and play regular football. I mean, going back to another player from a different club, I remember years ago, uh, Scott Parker could you know, was in and out of uh, Charlton's team went to Norwich on loan and came back. And all of a sudden you had this creative midfielder who came back and just crunched people, made tackles, you know, had a bit of both. And his career just went from strength to strength. So I get that people want to see people like Alex Mitchell probably come in or or Isaac up front, because obviously he did very well. But there's levels to this, isn't there? And I'm not saying they can't play at championship level for Millwall, but sometimes you've got to do what Danny McNamara did, go out, Play for half a season, do really well, gain confidence, belief that you can play at that level, and then you come back and you really can make an impact.
0: I mean, I think it's good. I mean, Kai, anytime you want to come in for that, just Kai, no problem. But um, I was, I, I think, Isaac going back to Sutton is a great move for him because yeah. he achieved so much last season with them, and it's like a a little thank you from the club to say, look, you know, you're really progressing really well. We are going to get you in our team going forward, but. Right now, we think the best move is for you to go back with the team you were playing with last season. You've done so well for them. See what you can do now on an upper league and mm. and see if you can still, you know, still do it. And then going forward, yeah, we'll look at trying to get you in. Because, you know, he is the player, what we're missing out on at the minute. He's the player, what we're screaming out for. But we need to have a little bit more development on him to go. Because at the moment, I don't know if he's ready for championship.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's a huge jump, isn't it? Going from National League football, where you've done very well, but to then suddenly say, OK, you're going up against championship teams. And particularly when you look at the top-end championship teams, because, you know, some of those teams have got such strong sides, such experienced defenders. It is a massive, massive jump. And I think you would, you would normally expect a player to probably have shown what they can do at least at League Two level before they would get that kind of opportunity, maybe even arguably a League One. Yeah. Um, and he's he's young, isn't he, Isaac? I mean, he's yeah, he's what twenty-one, I think, off the top of my head. He's yeah. he's got he's got he's got a bit of time. I don't think championship level. I don't think you can necessarily. Some players come through like Carvalho, Fulham's playing at eighteen, but they're kind of special cases. It's not it's not something that tends to happen at a lot of clubs. I don't think not not a championship level anyway.
0: No, I agree. With you, I agree with you fully. I mean, obviously, this week we we got the news uh, um Tyler is is now injured um it seems as if he's got quite a nasty um tear on his hamstring um and potentially going to be out for a couple of months obviously he's having surgery um with our doctors at Millwall um what's the latest on him at the moment
1: yeah I don't think there's any actual t- real t- time scale beyond the fact it will be you know it will it will be, it'll be out for a at least a good couple of months. Um, I mean, I I haven't actually, I've had a week off this week, so I haven't really caught up with exactly what the the prognosis is on the injury. I really like Tyler Bewey. I saw him play. He was one of those players that, sometimes when you're watching as a journalist, you're watching uh, a, a game and someone will just stand out, like a player you hadn't known anything about. And I remember seeing him, he played for Wimbledon against Charlton, and he came on, Woody Downs I think was the manager at the time for Wimbledon, and he brought him on at the Valley in about the last 15 minutes. And he got on the ball time and time again. He was brave on it. He drove down the side. He was putting decent balls in. And straight away, you th- you know, you're sat there and you're watching the game and you're thinking, this kid looks like he's got something about him. And then, obviously, he did so well at Wimbledon at the end of that season. He then decided not to sign his contract. And, obviously, Millwall signed him, agreed a deal to sign him. So he's someone that I think has got some really good attributes. Like I think he's... I think, I think you know, he's he's got some real potential. So it's such a shame that when he's just beginning to really kick on on that loan, that it's been cut short. Because if he's out for a couple of months, if that is the time scale, it's going to take him obviously a while to get back up to fitness. And then he's going to need games. And maybe that means you don't see him in a Millwall shirt this season. Maybe he has to go out again in January. I don't know. Um, but I guess that's something the club will have to Kind of look at as we get nearer to January. If they're struggling for creativity and they can't bring players, it depends what happens in the January window. I'm sure it's all up yeah. in the air at the moment. I would have thought with him.
0: Yeah, no, it's a shame because uh, a hamstring injury is, is a, a a naughty injury,
1: really, isn't it? But yeah, you know, it is, particularly it for means. quicker players and, and wide players.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. And just hope because obviously, if you have your hamstring, they normally shortened a bit when they put it back in, didn't they? Mm. Sort of shortened and then. You know, if you don't do the right recovery, then it c- it can always haunt your your career going forward. So hopefully, he has a full recovery. I mean, he's come back to us, um, and we've got you know we've got some good guys in the medical team at Millwall. We've got you know some really good guys there. So uh, yeah, we're just fingers crossed that you know, if you're listening, uh, you know, get well soon, fella. And uh, and I <laughs> hope you you do. So. Obviously, you speak to all the players regular or you get access to yeah. the players regular and whatnot. Who's your favourite player then to have a conversation with? Oh, okay. The reason I ask, the reason I ask that is because this week, obviously, Gents appeared on about two or three different media channels. He's yeah. done a podcast, I think, for, um, for the Championship or, or the Football League. He's, he's been on Talk Sport and he seems to enjoy it and, and he comes across really well on there. And I just wondered, you know, out of the players who we watch week in, week out, you obviously get to see them face to face or or telephone calls and that. I just wondered yeah. which one is your favourite, or or which one you think is, um, you know, the jokers and whatnot with the with the. Yeah,
1: bunch. well, I would say as a journalist, you tend to rate players as the ones that are going to give you the best quotes and not. You know, when you get to Premier League level, quite often you find they're so media trained, you just don't really get anything of any real interest to make into an angle, a headline, whatever it might be. And I'm not saying it has to be sensational, the angle. It just has to be something interesting. Um,
0: and, they have, and they have their PR specialist with them.
1: Exactly, yeah, that's that's the thing. And you Or you might have certain Premier League clubs, you'll have... The actual comms team there, and they'll say, "Oh, that bit there, that's not for using," you know, like. Right? And so, journalists at that will be like, "Right, okay." So that happens as well. Um, in terms of in terms of Millwall, I mean, it's not controversial. I've got huge. I, I've got a huge admiration for Jed. I, I think he's a cracking player. Um, and I think as well, he's a genuinely good interview. Um, he always has been. Um, he's always somebody that I would kind of. If there's a big game coming up and I want to get a, a nice player interview, he's someone you can do that with. You can chat to him about stuff and feel relaxed. You don't feel if you're straying off the of football that it's going to be a problem, which some players obviously don't want to do, which is fair enough. But Jed's good as gold, so he'd definitely be up there. Um, I mean, there's been good ones over the years. Morrow was brilliant. Um, Morrow was so good. Uh, he did not care. The, the last spell he had at millwall when I was obviously covering the club, he didn't terribly upset people with what he said. And I remember one where um, you just played Charlton and he got George, George Teixeira, their uh, defender had been sent off. And Morrow, it was just like amazing insight into the way that his mind worked. He said, Oh, what me and Greg's do before a game is we pick the week what we view to be the weak center back for me to basically be on. And I try and bully him and I try and put him off his game. And you're like, as a journalist, that's the kind of stuff you want because he's given you proper insight and he doesn't mind about telling you. And he said, we'll just, I'll just keep cranking him up until hopefully he loses his rag or I can feel I can bully the players so that I can just dominate them. And he said, we'll always have a look and say, which one am I going to, which one am I going to be on in the game? And that kind of stuff is just, it's just brilliant. So he was good. I'm going back a few older ones, but a few good ones have left. Byron Webster was always a brilliant interview as well. Great fun, Byron. Um, and but he's imagine he as well. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I sat I sat for a game one one game, I can't remember what it was now with him, and um he was injured and he was sitting right at the top and where the directors sit, right behind, right at the top underneath the TV gantry where the T V camera is. And um and he was he was there on comms with obviously Chopper and that down down the bottom, and he was just sitting there, conversations going so-and-so keeps playing out of line. And, and this player's doing this. And you look around and you think, who's he talking to? He's just got his phone in and he's just sitting there watching the game, but giving tips and pieces of where people were playing out and all this. And they were getting closed down and it was it was literally, you could see that he was literally the eyes in the stadium. So wow. even though he weren't playing, he was there. So his football yeah. knowledge is obviously second to none that people are putting him up there to, to look. He had his foot over the chair where he's resting his foot, just laid back watching the game. You're yeah. sitting on the end of the road going...
1: Yeah, yeah, he's
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, the players are picking up. So,
1: yeah, no, it was, it was a good insight. It, it makes you realise when you chat to players and they're a bit more relaxed and they talk to you about stuff, it just makes you realise how little sometimes us as journalists or as fans, you know, the difference with football is, like, as we always say, Like I can go I can go and say, well, I think this X, Y and Z about Fulham and I think that he should be doing this and they should be playing this person. But, of course, if you actually speak to a manager... Um, they will give you an explanation if they feel in the mood to, they could probably give you a, a, an insight into it that we don't really know. Um, yeah. And that's the thing that I think is always, I think I remember Carl Robinson a few years back again, was charter manager getting asked something, can he went into great detail? Well, this is the reason we did this. And you're thinking, okay, yeah. that, that explains it, you know, like because I just watch it as a football journalist thinking, oh, well, Sanso's not playing very well. And they'll say, yeah, but this guy there was pulling him out of position and then, there's there's like levels to the knowledge that even like someone like Steve Brown, who does stuff at BBC London, he's brilliant as a summariser, brilliant. And uh, some of the stuff he comes out with, I just think, wow, like that's the knowledge of where he's played. I don't know what he's played, Brownie, but he played as a centre-back, he played in the Premier League. He's done 10, 11, 12, 13 years as a pro, well, probably more than that as a pro. And he just just knows stuff. Like when centre-backs go down towards the end of the game, like – you know they're getting treatment and they'll say this is like this is just it's a ruse you basically go down get stretched and it's towards the end of the game it's just a time-wasting exercise it's just little little bits like that that some people might know but there's just there's so much more I think to it so um I think going back to the question about the player interviews Matt Smith's always a good interviewer as well I mean he's a he's obviously a clever guy um and yet again I always enjoy speaking to Matt but there's most of them are good. There's not really any that are a problem. Um, well, there aren't. There's not. There's not really any at Millwall that are a problem anyway. Oh,
0: but there
1: isn't Chelsea. I tell you someone there was a very good interview. Ex, one of your ex players, but much in his younger days, Lyle Taylor. Oh, Lyle, yeah. Lyle was dynamite every time you could get something good out of Lyle. And their comms team kind of knew that. They'd be like, "Oh no, what's he saying now?" And yeah, Lyle was lying. He would say what he thought. So he was. He was he was good value.
0: Are you, I mean, because sometimes I know journalists and that where sometimes they they have an interview and they know what they've got is dynamite, but if they if they printed it, it would cause them so much trouble that they have to sometimes go back to the player and go, "That bit you said, there. Are you happy with me printing that?" And they yeah. go, "Oh shit, no, don't do that."
1: Yeah. More often than not, you know, it's that sometimes you player. I, I had one, I won't say what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't the one. Well it wasn't particularly, it wasn't necessarily um, really ultra damaging, but I did an interview a while back with a player and he said some stuff. And then I got a phone call from a, one of the, the head of comms and they just said to me, like, they don't really want that going in. They don't think it's great. Um, and I kind of get that because, you know, we talk, I, I can talk in the heat of the moment about something and if everything is just used, okay, fair enough. But if it's one-to-one, you're kind of, that person's giving you their time, you're having a conversation, they're at, they're at a football club saying, you're, you're thinking, well, this, this isn't the way that you behave. I don't. So sometimes you make that decision. If someone says to you, do you mind leaving that little bit out there, nine times out of ten you'll do it. It's different in a press conference, I would say. If you're in a press conference and there's a load of other journalists and someone's sat at a table and they say something – what what you're going to do, there's nothing else you can do. But I I do think over the years, 100%, I've not used certain stuff, normally at the request of uh, the person I'm interviewing. But that's the way that you begin to get a relationship with people where they trust you. And then they tell you stuff, they might tell you more stuff. And they might say, well, this is what's going on, but don't write it. So that's how you get you don't just instantly get that level of where people open up to you without them thinking that they can trust you is what I'm saying. So yeah, it's no, kind I, of goes hand in hand.
0: I understand with that. And also it's it, it's that trust where, like what we started with the transfer window, it's where mm. you'll get little bits of information um, mm. and you'll be able to to place two or three bits of information from various contacts and mm. come up with the answer, what you're looking for, and then you can then go back to the lights. I don't know. Say, say for instance, to finish was well, you could then go back to someone like Billy or Steve Cavanaugh and say, "Is it true you're in for X, Y, Z player?" So that you've got more information to be able to to probe and go forward rather than just hoping for them to give you information. Which you know, unless they unless it's signed, sealed, and delivered, then they might not necessarily be delivering, giving you that information.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing as well, though, sometimes is you can go to—I don't know—you can go to a player's agent. You can go to a, player, a player's agent. You can have a chat with them, and they might tell you—they might tell you something and say, like, "Off the record, this is what's happening." But the thing is, I think sometimes—and I don't really—I've done this quite a long time. You kind of get an idea the way it works. But I don't think always an agent would then just leave it at that. They probably pick up to the club and say, "Oh, I've just had that person on the phone to me." So, sort of things kind of. I think the level of knowledge and the way that information passes around people, you sometimes think that obviously journalists work with almost like that sort of confidentiality clause, like I'm not going to share that information. I'm not, you know, I don't reveal, I don't reveal sources. That's just standard practice. It doesn't mean that source wouldn't maybe go back to someone and say, well, I had, I had Richard from the SLP on, he asked me X, Y, and Z. So that kind of stuff can happen. But, um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely part and parcel of it. Just trying to trying to unearth that information as you go along, and sometimes you just can't use it. So sometimes you know, in terms of transfers, you know, you can uh, play a two three weeks before it. It's anywhere. Um, it tends to. Yeah. I would say. Sorry, go on. No, no, go on. I was just going to say quite often. I think it can leak from agents, which is good. You know, it's good. It's good for someone like myself. I mean, there's a website. Football insider that's obviously getting a lot of stuff at the moment and it always says that a recruitment source at Charlton, a recruitment source at Millwalls, you know, has told us, well, I don't know, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm a bit cynical with it, but I don't think you tend to reveal where your source is. You can try and pretend it's somewhere else. But um, I think nine times out of ten, when deals get closer, there might be any number of reasons an agent might want it in the public domain.
0: Uh, and Millwalls very good at closing down moles. Yeah, with um, with misinformation.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that's the other thing. As, as you say. That's the other thing. It's the, the, the you know people can go down that misinformation route if they are worried about. I'm not talking about necessarily Millwall, but any club or any any organisation if they're worried about leaks, they can think, well, let's stick, stick some full stuff out see what surfaces, and that way you begin to narrow the field. Of
2: the
0: only reason I mentioned it, well, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot there. Yes, is no. When I was obviously found on the board, I, I've seen the misinformation, I and mean, I've known the real information, and I've seen misinformation to try and catch, mm. you know, where, where they put it out, and you think, oh, hang on, you know, who, who, who's done it, and um, what well, like that. But no. So how long have you been a football journalist, sir? Uh
1: Well, I started when I was 20. Uh, so I started off when I was twenty. I started off at the um, my lo- the local paper down the road for me, which ironically, with my surname being Crawley, is the Crawley News, and I covered Crawley Town, who were then in non-league. They were playing in the uh, well, it was the Doctor Martins. It was the Midlands, basically, predominantly, but Crawley were in that. And when I went to the SLP the first time round, late nineties, just as um, to cover Charlton, that was when we had a reporter for each club. Uh, that was when they just got promoted um, to the Premier League for the first time after the penalty shootout win. Then I left for a bit. I still did. Fo- I still did football. Still did journalism. And then I came back to the SLP in, I think it was two thousand and seven. Um, so, yeah, and I'm I'm obviously a youthful looking guy. I'm, I know you're thinking I'm probably early early thirties, but oh, yeah, I'm old late twenties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I've probably been doing it. I would say, yeah, well, to give away my age a little bit, yeah, I've been doing it about 25 years, so yeah, long while, which has been good. The industry's a lot different now, Mickey, it's like, it's, it's harder because, well, elements of it become harder because obviously newspapers aren't, it's not so much about newspapers, it's about websites, how do you monetize the websites to make enough money, because you haven't got the advertising revenue you get from papers, so there's a little bit more openings again. I'm seeing some more people that have worked for me. I've got young people like Kai who's been doing stuff. I've had other young people that have gone on from our place and got good jobs. Um, so there are there are opportunities there, but I'd say the industry's obviously changed a huge amount from when I first from when I first came No,
0: I, we we said to Kai that the local papers are the, are the best ways because they'll always take your stories because because of the deadlines and the websites that you want. You know, it's it's as if whenever there's a game for Millwall, you want to be able to put out four or five stories on match day so that yeah. you've got different hits. So you're, you're generating more hits because um, most people will read four different stories by four different people on the same website. If there was, you know, there's actually yeah. So we can say, we said to Kai, at least then you'll get your name out there. So when you're going forward and you're, you're going for roles or anything else, you've got pre-published stuff. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's good that, you guys are printing his stuff under his name as well, because oh, yeah, you are taking him as you'll take him as a sports reporter or staff reporter. But you seem to be putting his stuff out as his
1: own no. name, which is great. Yeah, my no, people that are regular contributors to us, we, we, we set it up on a website so that their names go on it. Um, and the sports reporter stuff isn't always sometimes it's got the person's name on it. But it's when you click on the actual story sometimes. Um, but it doesn't show on the like the homepage like you're talking about where you can see the reporter's name. Uh, but yeah, we definitely with with everything that people do for us, where we can, we always credit it. We always obviously credit photos. Um, so yeah, it's I just think it's a good it's a good way in. Like there's so many people that have done like young writers who've come in, they've written stuff, they've covered the clubs, and they've managed to get, you know the SL South Island Press you know is a good uh, regional uh, paper that has done it's got a good reputation for itself so because of that I think if people come through it gives them it definitely helps it's about showing winning isn't it trying to get on I guess in life and stuff like that you've got to occasionally think well I'm going to do this because it will benefit me down the line and yeah. obviously as well with all the guys that do stuff if they want it I'm happy to give feedback I try and give a bit of advice I'm not saying anything I say is definitely right but I've done it for a long time so I kind of know some of the stuff and I know some of the mistakes and little bits that can sometimes help with, you know, someone sort of reaching a level where they can maybe move on if they, if they want to, if they want to do that.
0: I know Kai's sitting there, but Kai's quite a good writer.
1: Um,
0: for a, for a lads, you know, and I don't mean to blow smoke over your ass, Kyle, but for a, a young writer, your, your match summary stuff is, is good. When you do the videos for us, they're great. They get good, they get good numbers. Your channel was, was good. Um, it's why, you know, we, we, we formed together, you know, we got you on board as such and, and helping us out. But, yeah, you, you're, you, you're, I mean, how you found stepping into the journalistic world for real then, Kai?
3: I've loved it. Um, it's really, I just really like listening to the managers and stuff. And, you know, as, as Rich has really helped me with the sort of like the changing of the angles and stuff and how, how you sort of you know, change a story and make it, you know, it better and, and you know, look for the angles in the headline and stuff, that's really helped um, and it's quite interesting if you watch the videos on the on the YouTube that because almost there's a lot of the time there's a lot more um detail into what they've actually put on the on the website as well, um, which is really helpful. Um yeah, so overall I've really enjoyed it so far.
1: Yeah, I said to Kai, one of the things because sometimes when you if you look at a website, any club, it can be I'm not giving it a particular club you might see a load of quotes from someone, a manager, a player, whatever it might be. And I said to Kai, one of the things you've got to remember is that clubs don't always want things that are controversial. So for managers, or not controversial, but something that could potentially be taken, because clubs have a, a sort of code of conduct, I suppose, and that they don't tend to behave a certain way. So you might actually find that within a video that's embedded on a website or whatever, there might actually be a golden line in there that isn't actually written on the text format of it. Little things like that, um, I mean, as we go along with Kai, you know, he's been he's been listening to opposition managers and doing bits and pieces on that, which is good. Um, and we'll just see as we go along. I mean, obviously, I'd like him to. Um, maybe, he's, he's done some takeaways bits for us after games uh, from Millwall Wall as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've been really eager and you've been really you've been just wanting to do as much as you can, and it's great. It's a good it's a good approach.
3: It's Thank you very much. I've, been, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it.
0: He's definitely eager, baby, isn't he? He's, uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's full of enthusiasm, I and mean, he's yeah, he's a he's a good lad. He's a good lad. He, he, look, he for for a kid who's seventeen, his head's definitely screwed on the right way.
1: Yeah, um, I can't imagine what I was like at seventeen writing about football. Not, I wouldn't have thought Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. have been
0: writing about. I wouldn't have been writing about football. Let's put it that way. So yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: trans,
0: let's. I just want to go back to transfer day. Um, yeah. Transfer day. You were you were trolled. Superbly, um, and 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 uh, the um, copycat account of yours was—if yeah. you're listening—and uh, I don't know who it was. I might have ideas, but I don't know exactly who it is.
1: wow, <laughs> <right>, um, okay. <laughs> I,
0: I don't—I don't know who it is, but, but. I know some of the, the ones what have done like like uh, channels before, but superbly done. Um, and you you seem to have hookwinked quite a few people um, <laughs> with some of the stories. Um, but it must be quite a claim to fame to to have a copycat account
1: yeah done
0: so so well against your name it must have caused you some problems. though.
1: Eh? well, I think I had one um, similar. It was, it was it was virtually the same. I had one a few about probably it's two good. years ago, something like yeah. that. Yeah. um funnily enough i'm trying to i'm waiting to see if the slp gets verified because if they get verified on twitter i think then the journalist can get verified it's never really bothered me i've never really been one person that's thought i need
0: you can do it now to. anyway if you, think, go onto, think, you go yeah. to your account because you've got stuff being published and you're associated to it you can you can do it. if you you look at your account we can talk we'll talk off the okay. show, but i, can tell yeah, that I
1: did I, I did have a little look off the back of that the other day and um it seems to suggest that you need the organisation to be verified first because um, mm. I'm not a freelance journalist. I don't know exactly, yeah. but you're probably not. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah, not yeah,
0: yeah, because you're not freelance. Yeah, 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 maybe.
1: So, but, um, I mean, I, it doesn't really matter too much. I mean, some of the stuff is funny. I mean, um, I think, wasn't was was it wasn't my fake fake version saying um, that John Daddy Bavarson had signed a new long-term contract? That was one of the yeah. ones, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, Jeff Wallace was going as well. That was the other one that got yeah. me, yeah.
1: I know you said to me, Kai, you um, you did, you did, you I did, fell,
0: for um, yeah, I fell, fell for a couple of them.
3: Yeah, fell for a couple of
1: them. I can still remember, and I've tweeted about this at least a couple of times because it comes up as like almost an anniversary thing. I can remember uh, reading shoot and match when I was a kid, and I can remember back in the day that I think it was the shoot magazine. They had Ian Rush on the front cover, and he had an Everton shirt on, and it said Rush signs for Everton. And I remember running home to tell my dad. And my dad's sitting there with, like, trying not to, you know, trying to keep a straight face and then saying to me, look at the day. And it was obviously, you know, it was an April Fool's. And for years afterwards, he, him and my brother would bring it up regularly. So, and I completely fell for it. I went running home so excited, saying, you won't believe it. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, it's been happening for years, but just different different formats. Um,
0: How you, do you get on with Twitter? Um, a, I like. Yeah, I like Twitter. I think. I think you. You've. You've got to understand that Twitter is not real, and yeah. it serves a purpose. Um, yeah. for us, it's a. It's a way to promote the show, create interaction, build audience, um, and various avenues along those lines. But I don't get offended by a lot of the stuff on there. I ignore a lot of the stuff. Um, yeah for, you know, like insults and stuff like that.
1: But
0: I, I find it funny. I think it's good. I think there's some very, very talented people out
1: there. Yeah. There are, that's what I find. I, I find, I think with anything, you know, there's, there's, there's good and bad to any sort of social media platform, you know, but the thing that I do, I, there's so many things I see on there that make me laugh so hard. And you you know that there's just going to be stuff on there that's going to amuse you. So I i mean i personally i enjoy it i mean I, I think there are times i don't tend to get too much abuse you get the odd people here and there that you just block but i wouldn't say i'm a prolific blocker uh but then i don't think i really get too many people that say too much i don't particularly get upset by people saying things unless it gets really it goes a bit over the top or you feel someone's kind of just got something against you so they'll kind of just keep trying to talk down the stuff you're posting about something yeah. you know you,
0: At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. That symphony of engines roaring in perfect harmony. It's a feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, Jerry.
2: Oh, my word. Really, really terrible. Was that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: No, no, no Jerry, it's over.
1: I've had a few that I've had to block like that, but um, I, think I think it's good. Like,
0: it's
2: yeah,
1: it's funny. Fun. Do
0: you know yeah. the one thing what amazes me, right, when I'm, when, and, you know, I don't normally talk about it, but when I was found on the board, one of the one things and, and started to have more interaction with people in the club and everything else, the one thing that amazed me, and was uh fanable 2017 2016 2017 something like that right so it's fairly modern modern time that the club still gets people when we defeat a team from the opposition team phone up the number over the weekend and leave abuse on the answer phone message
1: right well, okay and
0: I just I just honestly couldn't believe that people still in this day and age want to phone up and leave a message on an answer phone yeah abusing, you know, whoever it is. Some days, depending on what it was, I think when we done Leeds, when we'd done Leeds 4-3, the answer phone was round with, with people leaving, you know, dodgy messages and everything. Did you not know that?
1: No, I didn't know it. Never, I'd never heard that. I mean, you speak, just cry when, yeah.
0: when you speak to billionaires, I'd love to get hold of the, I'd love to get a copy of some of the messages and yeah. publish them, because they are brilliant. They, they must be brilliant. But I've, I've heard them. Some of them are just fully laden with explicit um, language when you know poor old, what's the name on reception when she comes in in the morning and presses a button, and it's just you know untold messages um, of fans abuse. So it's obviously, I think they go, they've been in the pub or they're pissed and they just oh. yeah, and
1: they're filling up. And I think, I think, going back to sort of social media, something like Twitter, you know, after a game, it's, it's somewhere that people go to basically let out their frustration, and that's why you. I think you'll probably get fans that probably delete stuff the following day. I mean, just as in an angry reaction, or you know, the one thing that happens. What I can you kind of accept it. I think is when you're tweeting post match stuff, you can you can see a lot of what kind of reaction is there because if you're tweeting about a manager's post match quotes yeah. or, or whatever it might be, it's people in the heat of the moment and they're angry. So they they, they it's, it's a platform, isn't it? So many fans go on there now after a game. If a team's played badly, they're going to they're going to rant. So it's kind of a place probably the phone-ins to a fair degree. I and mean, I'm not saying I still guilty pleasure. I still listen to that on the drive home every now and again, like Radio 5 or or Talk Sport yeah. just for a bit of fun. But I would imagine they get a lot less coolness yeah. because people just go on social media and do stuff now.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I mean, you know, um, we've got a few interaction ideas going forward. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those where you've got to be a bit careful because, people do speak freely and um it's definitely possibly not something you'd want to do live you'd definitely need to have a dump button um just in case but but yeah i've I've, I've asked all the questions here what questions you got come on you 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 I've sort of stopped you talking Go on, fella.
3: what we what we just any questions yeah
0: any questions to rich Go on. and then we're 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 pausing a minute and go apart so we'll have a brief on West Brom yeah. and then um and then we're we're do it so yeah go on.
3: So, That's what was it great. like? Uh, what was it like having the deadline day? I think it was was it two years ago, or something? it? When uh, was it? Matt Southall for Charlton. They brought in all them players. That must be an absolute manic. Because
1: yeah, in- well, Matt did- Southall did the the. the um, <laughs> I still laugh thinking about it because it still gets posted when he said ready for deadline day, and he had like crisps and soft drinks and oh, all kind of like what sort of petrol station. Food that you've just gone in and bought—it looked—it looked so incredibly amateurish, and that that transfer deadline, the one that was in the January, they they obviously had no money, East Street Investments, and it wasn't something that I think supporters were fully aware of. I don't think I think they always believed there would be some money there because you know there was all this talk about what they were going to do, and in the end they ended up signing. I think I think at that time he did a competition. Guess who our next signing was. And it was a guy – no no one got it because it was – I think if I'm right on the sun off the top of my head, it was a guy, Matt Smith, who was at Man City. And literally no fan was ever going to guess it in a million years because it was just so left field. But they didn't have any money. So, yeah, um, some of the transfer windows are good fun. Like when Lyle Lyle stayed, um, as Mickey was saying there, the good thing for – you know, the good thing for any – on social media is if you've got that kind of platform it can help it obviously helps build um followers and that then can you know people then go to the website which obviously hopefully helps keep you in a job for a bit longer so it's that kind of thing that that kind of helps Um, and it must
3: have been pretty good when when tim cahill signed for for millwall a couple years ago was it 2019
1: yeah 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 cahill was good and i think we got yeah, again, obviously we're an official media partner for the club and we got first I remember going to the training ground at on Road and sort of speaking to Tim for about fifteen, twenty minutes. He was good, obviously. Um very uh, very
0: media trained, isn't
1: he? Yeah, very media trained, but gave good gave good good content as well, even though he's obviously played at the at the sort of very highest level, he still did give you a bit of stuff to work with. So um Yeah, he was um, he was good. Obviously, it was almost impossible, I would think, to live up to the expectation level of what he would give to you guys that season because of what he'd done before in the middle shirt.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I don't think he was ever due to play properly, was he? He was always going to be that that bit in the dressing room to try and give us um, that extra oomph, which he did. Um, But I don't think he probably played more than forty minutes today in his whole time back. Yeah, I'm trying to think,
1: he had a few appearances and then obviously had the Fulham game, didn't he, where he got done and Mitrovic didn't get done um, in that game as well, so uh, sort of after the event. But yeah, no, that season was good though, wasn't it? I mean, Millwall went so close. I was convinced, that was the one season I was convinced Millwall would get to the the Championship playoffs. I mean, the team was just, wow, it was just motoring and, the noise at the den for that Fulham game. I remember in that first half, it was like it was almost like electricity in the air. It was, yeah, it was, it was loud. And um, I still think if Mill would have gone ahead in that, it could have been a completely different game.
3: Because we, um, we did, didn't we? It was, it was an offside goal, wasn't there? Yeah, I think. The goal I was disallowed.
1: Yeah. I think it was for a, fa- it was for a foul um, for, I um, can't think of who it was. But maybe it was Savile um, yeah. who was climbing over a player, or well, that's what the ref ruled. But yeah, I mean, you had you had Fulham at sixes and sevens, and then they managed to turn it around in the second half. I don't think Jordan Archer would look back too kindly on at least one or two of the goals he conceded in that second half.
3: No, there was that there was they were the I think there was a couple of games where we scored in the first minute back to back, didn't we? I think it was Hull yeah. and then Forest or something. So we were really flying at the flight. That's well, it's just a shame we didn't make it, wasn't it? But
1: it was a brilliant team. It was a really yeah. really good side that side. Um, and I think, obviously, George Savile coming back, I mean, I think for, 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 for George, it, obviously the team's had some issues with COVID, uh, which every team's had. Um, I think it's affected some of their fitness levels. But I look back at that team that, that almost got there and I thought George Savile was brilliant that season, not just the goals he scored. like The way that Millwall pressed that season was so good. And Sav was the guy at the front of that, who his energy levels were just unreal. And I felt yeah. once he left, Millwall they didn't press anywhere near as effectively without him in the side. So when I heard he was coming back, obviously I thought it was a great signing. I still think it. I still think it is. I just think um, it's probably going to take a bit of time for players to settle back got, down. After he's got a uh, new agent forward. now, though, isn't he? I was it okay? I didn't I know think that. So. Yeah, yeah. I think he's yeah.
0: got a different agent to what he had before. You, sorry, Craig. You were there, obviously, when Holloway was
1: there. Uh, I wasn't. Um, oh, were you uh, not? Well, I, I, I wasn't the paper, but that was Toby. That was Toby. Right. And, Toby Porter. who dealt with with Ian Holloway. Yeah, I dealt with Holloway a bit at Palace. Yeah, it was hard work, wasn't it? It was good. Yeah,
0: it I was good, but it. it was hard work. But yeah.
1: yeah, I had I had people that I enjoyed dealing with, um, but. Um, Ian Holloway wouldn't be that high on my list of people, so I was. I, I I'll was. That.
0: <laughs> I was. I was very close to him on the day when he came back with QPR. Was it QPR he came back with? I think it was QPR when mm. he was called a cunt uh, um, really bad when he started giving it on the coach, okay. and and I was right next to the players' entrance. So I was against the the ticket window, um, standing there making sure, obviously that. It, it didn't go off or making sure that I was witness in case it didn't go off to, to give our side of it. And I've never ducked so fast in my life. Someone threw a Magna bottle at him and it missed him wow. and, and missed me, luckily enough. But he, uh, if you you, you, if you can see the video, I'm wearing a green coat. And as you watch it, when when it's given the abuse to him as he's coming off the coach, you suddenly see me duck. And literally, I just caught it out of the corner of my eye coming towards me and he was like, whoa. But yeah no i i I never liked him. I mean, I never really got spoke to him. I saw him about a bit he was he thought he was very flash and big, but he was you yeah, i i he summed me up when I summed him up when he hid in the dugout during his yeah, last game or so. And he just seemed to be, you know, and he took us for a lot of money, which you can't come on. He took us for a lot of money and just didn't want to go, wanted to take the payout. Yeah. He knew what he was
1: doing, um, allegedly. Yeah, I think, so, I think, so, I think, yeah. I think at Palace he was, he was, he was quite sort of hot and cold with the way that he was from from time to time, and it wasn't that easy to deal with. Um, I, I think he probably didn't really, we didn't really probably click, um, in so you know, each their own. But as I say, as as people that managers that I've spoken to. Um he wouldn't be one of the one, you know if you look at the managers I think I've had a good relationship with, and I would say quite a lot of them I have um at wherever clubs he wasn't one that what that I did have a good relationship with, so um yeah not not i, I used to deal with him when toby was off, and that was that was interesting, so um <laughs> but that's a good, yeah me yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah yeah yeah, he remembered me, yeah, yeah, definitely, so um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had some good managers though, over the years. Like Neil Warnock, I know people people maybe don't like it, you know, uh, Omar, but it, it was class. It was class. Omar amazing.
0: does this. He'd love to have him here. Yeah, he'd love him to be a Millwall manager. He just thinks it he'd definitely suit being a Millwall manager. Yeah. He, he just yeah. understands us. He gets
1: us. Yeah. Um, no, I like. He was always really complimentary about Millwall whenever whenever he brought teams back as Neil brought teams over. Hmm. Um Yeah, Neil was Neil was good. I mean, most most of the managers. You know, most of them I would say have been been fine, um, or, or better than fine. I Obviously, got on really well with Powell. I knew him as a player. Um, but Chopper was great when he was Millwall manager. Gary's obviously very, very good. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been he's been in terms of access and everything. He's excellent. So I've been fairly lucky so far. I haven't had too many really <laughs> difficult ones to deal with. Which is which is normally good.
0: Yeah, this seems a good place. So uh, look. We're going to end part one here. We're going to be back with part two in a moment. And we'll be talking about the game on Saturday, which is West Brom away. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a
2: minute.
0: Welcome back. This is part two. um, And we're going to obviously do a preview on our away game on Saturday after international break against West Brom. And I feel really guilty. So... um, I'm gonna leave this bit out to Kai. Off you go, Kai.
3: No, I'm looking forward to towards Saturday's game. Uh it's gonna be should be good. Um tough team, obviously. But West Brom, I think Daro shays is out now due to a knee injury sheffered uh the other day against Portugal, I think it was. And they've just brought in Keno uh Brian, Bryan, uh, who's on free transfer. And they've got a couple of others out, Matt Clark. So they're quite um they quite look quite vulnerable in the uh, centre centre back position. Um so hopefully we can um, you know, exploit that with you know some pacing behind with Benikophobia and Che Ojo. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Um, I just wonder whether you know Ojo will get his first game of the season, uh, first start of the season, obviously, after making after coming to us. Um, I just I've, got, I've been thinking recently about about Savoy, and obviously, it hasn't started the best this season, but I wonder with, with us last time, he did really well in the two, uh, the four four two. Um, if Raul does continue with the five three two, uh, would it be worth? You know, dropping Saville back into the midfield, back back into the two, maybe. Uh, obviously, I know Leonard's, Leonard's injured, isn't he? Um, but you know, someone like Heath and then pushing Ojo into the into the into the three, uh, the the higher one with with Jed and Afobi. What do you think of that, Rich?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, judging by what David Livermore said, he said that Ojo is best sort of playing on the the left and cutting in onto yeah. his on, onto that right hand side. Um, I mean, I, I would think that he's got to try and... I mean, I think Ojo will probably will, will start. I'd be surprised if he doesn't, just because I think, you know, he's coming. He, he's obviously come with the fact that he's going to play games. He played in McCardiff. I think the other thing that might come into the play at West Brom is height in that team because, I mean, I've watched quite a bit of West Brom on Quest on their, their show, and my God, are they direct. I mean, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, any throw-ins in their half are going to be launched in there yeah. And they're just going to keep asking aerial questions of your team time and time again, whoever that, whatever team that might be. So I think that's that's one of the problems that Millwall are going to have to combat. And I would think that's surely going to be, I mean, someone like Matt Smith, he's going to be key, I would think, in that game. Probably, arguably, more for some of his defensive work because literally anything inside that Millwall half is coming into your box, which is interesting because I think I was looking just just before I came on. The most aerial duels won per game is Cardiff, 45, 45.2 they average out at. Millwall, 37.6 and West Brom, 36. So the top three sides for aerial duels. Now, obviously, Millwall didn't deal massively well with um, set plays at Cardiff, did they? So they need, no. to, they need to properly be switched on for this one. Yeah, I think it's a, t- it's, a, it's a tough game, like you say, Kai. I mean, obviously, they're only behind Fulham in the table. And another stat I've got for you, um, most shots per game, they average 17.4 in a game. That's more than Fulham, who did 16.4. So they create plenty of chances, which uh, maybe isn't what you want to hear before you head to the Hawthorns.
3: No, I mean, I saw something earlier from Jed, actually, on uh, Talksport, I think it was. He said that Millwall conceded six set plays all all season last year, and we've already conceded five, I think it is, in all competitions this year. I think one of them came against Blackburn. Teased a couple against Cardiff, so yeah. It's a bit, and West Brom have got the famous uh, towel, haven't they? When they when they they do a, yeah, the a long try, yeah, yeah. So they weren't impressed. where uh, I think it was Peterborough, wasn't he? That, that, uh, that Ferguson wasn't impressed with when they scored their ninety fifth minute winner, and he went running down the touchline celebrating with their fans. He didn't <laughs> he didn't take too well to that after the game. So um, hopefully it'll be a better outcome on Saturday. But it's a tough one. I mean, we did well uh, two years ago, wasn't it? We, we drew one all. Smith scored. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you say, I reckon Smith could be a really a big threat for us on Saturday.
1: I think as well, you know, Millwall tradition in the recent years they've always played well against the sides that are fancy to do well, aren't they? I mean, even if you look at last season, the record against uh, uh, Norwich uh, in both games were good results. You know, there are good results against Watford, um, um, albeit not the one towards the end of that season they went up, But they've 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 tended to equip themselves pretty well. So I. I don't necessarily see that as being a problem. I think defensively, the one thing that worries me a bit is not having Sean Hutchinson because I, having watched the team for the last few years, I think he's got to be up there as one of Millwall's best players in terms of consistency. Um, yeah. He's he's been superb, and I think he's been he's been such a such a good centre half. I think the fact he's been out it doesn't help Millwall. You know, um, that's no reflection on the players that have come in. I just think. It's just I think any team would miss someone like Hutch and the way that he can play at the back, the way he can help organise, wins the ball in the air. He's so good in the air. I think yeah. that's 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 the shame for this one. Uh, yeah. because I think we with I think with West Brom you know what you're gonna get. Possession wise, they're they're very low. Millwall, Millwall are averaging more possession than, than, than West Brom this season. So um I think West Brom are like twentieth or something for possession in the division. So you know what you're gonna get. They're just gonna they're gonna come at you and they're gonna I mean, uh, Valerian Ishmael's team was very similar at Barnsley. The difference he's got now is he's got better players technically to probably get results. So um, I think it's it's a difficult one for Millwall. It's a bit of a free hit in some respects. I'm not saying that as in night like, they can go there and play terribly, but it's not necessarily a game that you would expect. And it, and most teams in the division wouldn't go there and say, well, we expect to win this game, would they? That You yeah. you go there and hope they get they get a good result.
3: Yeah, and and any balls that come into the box have got quality, you know. With Alex Mal on the on the free kicks in the corners, it'd just be interesting to see. I wonder, wonder whether obviously I know Ojo's come in, and you know, and Rowett does pay that five three two. Does that make maybe suggest a system change, or, or do would you expect to see maybe Ojo try to be a little bit converted into just behind the two strikers, or play up top with a phobie with Jed in behind now?
1: Yeah, I, well, I don't think I. From, I mean, I've not been told this for sure, but I can't see any reason why the system's going to change. Yeah. Um, from the three centre-backs because I think it's, you know, particularly away from home, I think, you know, people will have their own thoughts on what should happen in home games. I think particularly for away games, the three, you know, the three at the back, the switch that Gary made to try and change the team's away form, uh, which had been a bit of a struggle before he came in, I think, like, that. I just don't see that changing. I don't see why Gary would change it, particularly against the team like West Brom, where you know you're going to be asked a lot of questions. I think you're going to want the height of Ballard, Cooper, uh, Murray Wallace. You know, you're going to want those people that can win those aerial balls. Um, So I think Ojo's going to have to fit somewhere else. I mean, Gary has said he can play right across the front line, as in like, you know, all three positions behind the striker. I guess you could play him up top. I mean, he's done it with Mason and Jed, hasn't he? Because he wanted that kind of pace. And the problem with Matt Smith is Gary, in Gary's... View I think has been at times that Matt's got many attributes that are really good, but obviously he's not a player that can chase the back four backwards and forwards and shuttle run across and and do that side of it. Whereas someone like Bennett, Jed, or Mason can do that. So, um, but in saying that, I still think Matt Smith will play at the weekend for exactly the reasons I've said. I think I think it's going to be an aerial test, and you've got he's so good in the air. I mean, he wins a ridiculous amount of ball. It's just you know. I think he's
3: got to be in there. Yeah, and then as you said, like they've you know they've kept the twentieth uh, lowest possession, so they're not you know probably not going to be knocking it around the back four with no. you know as much as, you know like Fulham and stuff. But the question is obviously with Marlon going to Pompey now, Billy Mitchell I guess keeps his place at right back while well, Danny's Danny's out. Um, you know I thought Billy did well against Blackpool. Yeah. Um, maybe didn't offer as much attacking threat as Danny would, but really quite good defensively. Uh, do, you, do you expect him to to keep his place in the right right back?
1: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I, I mean, I was at the as well as the Blackpool game. I thought, I mean, it's different, isn't it, when it's um, when it's a cup game? But I thought Billy, along with Murray Wallace, I thought they were t- probably the two best performers in that that game. Before that, I thought he was excellent in the wing-back role. It's obviously different when you're playing against the top end championship sides. But yeah, I think he'll I think he'll definitely play. I think probably to be fair, if Ryan Leonard was fit, I think that Gary would be bringing him in to play that role for that kind of game just because physically and everything else and experience, I think you maybe look at that. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that Billy Mitchell will, will will stay in. I mean, obviously, if Danny McNamara's fit, he starts, doesn't he? But, um, I mean, Ryan Leonard's been another big miss, I think. I mean, yeah. he's um, he's been unfortunate with injuries this season, last season. Um, I just think he's a really good, honest pro, very good player, very versatile, like he showed, but he played in the back back three. Uh, when you played at centre back, I, I think yeah again you you're missing some players and it's just it's difficult for Millwall because you haven't got you're not blessed with the squads that the depth that some of the other teams have got.
3: No, and talking about former Millwall players, Carrie Kane's just scored an absolute worldie for England to put them 1 0 up against Poland. Really, really good finish. But I was going to ask um about Keith and Beld and Evans. Um with, with Keith, do you think that obviously you said that the aerial, I think you know, Evans is probably a lot, a lot taller than Keith and Beld. With on Saturday, does Kiefton Bell give us a little bit more, you know, aggressiveness, or would you play Evans, who would probably give you a bit more height and a bit more, um, you know, ability to cope with the set pieces?
1: Well, again, I would say, luckily, I'm not the manager, so um, it doesn't really matter, probably, what I think too much. But I think, I think, I think, I would probably go with Evans again for the height, if it's if it's a straight choice between the two. I like I like um, Kiefton Bell. I think he's, he's he's I think he's, you can see he's got that knowledge and when he's looking for where the ball needs to be played and the way he's talking to some of the other players. I think he's I think he's a really good, sort of knowledgeable midfielder. I think in this one, height's going to be key. I personally just think, and, and athleticism, and that's the problem with a lot of the Premier League teams. Like when Gary talked about Fulham, if you look at how quickly they could counter you at the den, you know, they're just getting the ball and they've just got, they've got I mean, like Cabano, shouldn't have even been playing in that match, but they had injuries. Cavalero probably wouldn't have played in that match if they didn't have injuries or suspensions. And yet you've got these two guys that the pace and power they had, they were just, they just made them too difficult to handle. And that's the problem. I think it probably isn't just a hype thing because you're going to come up against a West Brom side that are going to be so rapid as well and, and getting onto things that you need that bit of pace in the side as well. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one, I think.
3: So who yeah. would,
0: who would be your... Starting
1: 11 for Saturday then, Rich? Crikey, that's a good question. I need to have a look at the last match. Let me see if I can pick that up. Uh, go
0: on then, Kai. Why are why, why you trying to cop out and have a bit of time to think? <laughs> Who's your starting 11 for Saturday then, Kai?
3: Uh, I'll go with, well, I think Gary Out would stay with a 532 3 2 only, so I'll go with Barton Gale. Uh, Billy, right back, um, Ballard, Cooper, Murray Wallace at three at the back, and then obviously Malone at left back. Um, the three in the middle, uh, purely for the reason of height as well. Um, uh, I'd go with Savile and Evans, um, you know, but key for Evans, I'm not too fussed whichever, whichever one plays. Um, and then I'd go Jed in behind Benicophobia and, and Shea Ojo. But on that point, I. Think if obviously I know it might be a bit too soon for him. I read somewhere earlier about Mason Bennett, but he could be quite key in the next couple of weeks with obviously the rotation of the four players up top.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it now that I've got the team back up from the Blackpool game, if I'm looking at that team and I'm thinking who do I who do I bring in or out, it's a difficult one because I think that I I, I think that he could potentially bring in Evans for Kiefton Bowd. I don't know how much you you gain or lose by that change. I don't necessarily think it's particularly a deal-breaker which one of those two plays. Although, as we said already, I think Evans is better in the air. The thing thing that's a question mark for me is, I think, perhaps looking at it, if Matt Smith plays, which I've said already I think he will, I don't necessarily know if Ojo does make my team. Because I I probably wouldn't change it too much beyond Evans maybe for I don't, yeah, I mean, Ojo could potentially come in for Bennick, but bennick has been playing well. I thought he was, you know, he's lively again against Blackpool. I think it'd be pretty unfair on him if he came out of the team. I think it, normally I would say that someone like Ojo would potentially come in maybe for Matt Smith and you'd play, you know, you'd have uh, Bennick up through the middle maybe and, you know, the, the sort of other players around him. So, yeah, I, I would say I may be only going one change and, and maybe actually OJ may be on the bench, but yeah, I'm sure like, I'll be completely wrong. Or,
0: or put OJ on first and then swap him for Matt Smith yeah. in 60 minutes or so, because, I mean, I don't know how much fit he is. And obviously that's, that's the key at the minute in it is the match fitness, because I think that's why we're not seeing the the, the Savile that we had before, because I think yeah. he had COVID, didn't he? And he's... I don't know how far behind um on the training where he is because we don't know how badly COVID affects professional athletes either, do we, you know? Um, and how much their training schedule stops. Um if you know, if he's had to isolate for 10 days or whatever, and if he hasn't been doing the same amount of training because of being ill as the other guys, it sort of puts him back two, three, four weeks behind yeah. the other guys, doesn't it? And he doesn't yeah. look he doesn't look fully fit on the pitch, he's blowing hard. He just doesn't look as if he's full match fitness yet.
1: I know that I think Ryan Leonard last season, well, actually, Jake Cooper. actually, obviously, when you consider the amount of games he chained together, mm-hmm. um, obviously played on with the shoulder as well. Um, and I think he had, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that he had COVID last season and then couldn't train. And the fe- I think the other players were like, wow, this guy that's a machine that has churned out game after game after game He's actually saying, I can't, although I'm back, like and I'm cleared to be training, I don't feel right. I can't. So I think it goes to show that these guys, when they get it, um, it does obviously really massively affect them. And that's before you look at who's been vaccinated, who hasn't, for various reasons. That's personal choice for players. Um, so obviously if you as well if if you haven't been vaccinated, the likelihood is probably it's gonna hit you even harder. So um I, I think I think it's a difficult one on that side. Um I think for any of these players. I think you can only really judge signings and I'm talking about George coming back as well. I think the only real fair thing to do is judge him at the end of a season or you, yeah, yeah. you know, by the following window. Because yeah. players for all uh, manner of reasons can take time to settle back in, can't they? You know. No, that's it.
0: And we've we've said we've said all along, you know, we can't really be judging Millwall in four or five games. When we get the 12, 12 games, then we can judge where we are. Um but, you know, being on the Gary out brigade and all that four games in, I think it's a bit much. He has to change the formation he's playing at home um, because I think he's not going to get away with paying five at, at home for the rest of the season. I think he needs to change it up a bit. Um, five away, definitely. But I think he needs to look at the formation at home because now you've got fans back, he's going to get it. Uh, I, I can see the fans jumping right on him this season, especially if yeah. we're just going for draws. Rather than wins every game,
1: yeah, I think that that's the thing, isn't it? I think the fans is another factor for every every club, every manager. Um, yeah, before it was quite sanit- it was sanitised, and um, you know you wouldn't get that sort of frustration if a team was building slowly from the back. I'm not saying this this about Millwall; I'm just talking generally. Teams could play a different style and know that there wasn't going to be that sort of Displeasure that would come down from supporters whereas that's something that's going to change that's that's changed this season so yeah. it felt like blackpool was a you know i thought blackpool was a big game i thought the players looked nervy um yeah. particularly it was almost like they knew that if once once they went down to ten men that if they didn't win it they were going to be you know you know they were going to get they were going to get it and i think i think the players felt a pressure with that. And that's why again it was huge, Jed. I mean, how many times has he stepped up when he's needed to, and he puts that free kick in into the top corner. I think he was huge. Keeping Jed, um, I just don't think you, people can talk about. Oh well, he's in the final year of his contract, and um, you know, if you get a good offer for him, but it would need to be it would have to be very good money because how do you replace how do you replace Jed Wallace? I think his value under contract, Millwall wouldn't be able to get. Probably wouldn't stretch to that cost for that player.
0: I understand you might not be able to answer this, or, or you might be able to, but we're, we'll ask the question anyway as we're coming towards the end. Will be cheeky. Were there was there interest for Jed? Was there inquiries for Jed, or do you not know? I think
1: I think there probably. I think there was. Um, I don't know. I think the thing that I would say with that is there's a difference between what would be a formal offer and what would be a club saying, "How would this work with you if we went to this kind of level?" So. Um, I'm not saying that there was like an official thing. Um, I think it's a similar scenario. I'm not saying Jed will go, by the way. I don't know. Jed's his own man, and I I, I don't know for sure what he'll do. But it was a bit similar with Lee Gregory. The final year of his contract, obviously, the club activated a 12-month extension. The way I'm led to understand it, there was interest uh, that summer. But the club, and I think rightfully so, felt that, having Lee Gregory for the final nine those that, that last season was worth more to them than what they viewed to be a figure that wasn't really that much in the grander scheme of things. And so it's that yeah, classic thing, I, isn't it? How do, you, how do you value him? Like, if I you mean,
0: him, I would have said before COVID, you might have been able to get looking at transfers and everything else. You'd have probably been able to look at eight to 10 million for Jed. Mm. But with COVID and where the money is and everything else now, you're probably looking at that figure as probably three to five million. And yeah. is three to five million what you're going to get for three to five million? I don't think you're going to get a lot, and you're definitely not going to get a player what we're replacing. No, um, so you know, Jed's taking a gamble, he wants premiership and he wants the payday, doesn't he? For the last couple of years that he'll probably be playing, he's what 28 now, 29?
1: Yeah, he's, well, yeah. As you say, it's a big, it's a big option. It's a big stage of his career that he's coming into. Okay. I mean, Jed's. I think he did a did something with a podcast this week. Another podcast, uh, not the top twenty um, podcast, and I think he said in that that he was just looking to, uh, in terms of football. I think. The problem for Jed as well, and I might be completely wrong with this, I think Jed, Jed Jed just wants to, as you say, play Premier League football. I'm not sure the money is particularly the... the no, be. Obviously, know. it's nice to get it, I'm sure, and uh, football is a short career, but I think it's that feeling of being able to get there to the Premier League. And The thing with Jed is I think he's felt he's been at a Millwall team that's been close, like more yeah. than once, maybe just a player short or maybe two players short, but yeah. it's, it's so hard um, because football generally each division you look at, it tends to work that the teams that spend the most money, they are the ones that are near the top. There's exceptions, yeah. like Barnsley last season obviously punched above their weight, but it's it's hard to do that consistently. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think, I, I, Jed, I, I don't know with Jed, I mean, I, I guess he will probably just see how the season pans out and then he'll, he'll obviously look at what options he's got and whether that be staying the middle wall I mean, if he signs another deal at Millwall, you, you're you obviously getting a very, Close, very man. big chunk of the best best years of his career. Um, 100%. So, yeah.
0: But yeah, I, I don't think I'd begrudge him if he went to a Premiership. If he went to another League One, you know, like Championship team, uh, not League One, Championship team, then mm-hmm. I think I'd be a bit begrieved. But if he went to a Premiership, I don't think I'd hold it against him. I think it'll be, you know, it'll be good to watch him at a, at a Prem and actually seeing his
1: ability. So, yeah. Yeah, he's given that way. I mean, it, the one thing I'd say with Jed, and he says it himself, but he always, he never looks to go into hiding in a game. No. You know, no. he cannot be playing well or he can be playing very well. He'll always want the ball. He's not one of those guys that will just disappear. And so I, I think he's done, I think he's been a really, really good uh normal player. And... um and obviously, from a selfish viewpoint, he's a bloody good interview, so I'd like him to sign a new contract. <laughs> no, but, um,
0: just just one question, Rich, and um, before we look to to tie up an end, um, John Daddy not going anywhere in January, or do you think he'll be gone well,
1: in January? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'd say it depends. Is, is John Daddy making his own decision, or is it like his agent is advising no, him? I don't know, is the honest answer, but I would say that. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that he didn't maybe look to go in the summer. Um, it would not make a lot of sense to me if he just has a whole year of not really playing any football. Um, I, I think I think he'd be mad not to maybe look at something, depending if the clubs are still prepared to pay a decent portion of his salary. But, yeah, I mean,
0: I don't know if Iceland's out of World Cup with the qualifying, how they're yeah. doing in there, but I would have thought that he'd be aiming to... To get into international football, yeah, and, you know, looking to get into, you know, obviously not League One, but looking to maybe get into a team where he can actually start playing football because I just don't think he fits into um, Gary's formation or, or or idea of a, you know, a starting eleven.
1: No, he had he had a little spell, didn't he? I think it was was it last was it Bristol City where he scored and he had to, well, he had a couple he, of games where he kind of, He did thought, he, oh, maybe did he maybe score it's just or did start,
0: that bounce off him, but yeah, yeah
1: true. But he played, I think that game, his is, is distance that he covered, you know, it was the club was saying afterwards how much he covered ground-wise. And I thought maybe there was something that was going to happen for him, but then it just hasn't. Um, and I don't know, I think sometimes players worry about dropping, like if you drop to their, uh league one level and it doesn't work out for you, does that then diminish even more your options? But I suppose it comes down to how much you back your ability at times, doesn't it? If you think I can go to the League One and score 15, 20 goals,
0: yeah.
1: all of a sudden he's probably got a good move.
0: Um, yeah. No, that's it. And it opens up the window where you've got a team bottom of the championship who who needs someone who can potentially score. Then you sort of take a risk, isn't there? So it's an ongoing... Um, football is all about gambles, really. And it's, you know, at any time, you're you know, it can be over for you. So take what you can while you can and, and look forward. But if Daddy stays and he doesn't go in the January window, I'm more than happy because when we play Blackpool on the 22nd of January, my co-host and my, my partner who I do the podcast with um, made a bet that he will uh, take a swim in Blackpool Sea on the 22nd oh. of when we go up there. So, um, yeah, you know, feel feel more than welcome, Rich, just before that week that you can just – post that Omar from on Once the transfer window shuts in January and Daddy's still here, feel free to post it front page if you want, mate. You know, just, just get right. it out. So he, so he can't back out, you know. Um
1: So what, he's saying John Daddy John Daddy, will... He,
0: he wouldn't... Yeah, yeah, He He made... He made... What was the bet? That John Daddy would go and the yeah. first bet with last season was that uh, he reckoned that if John Daddy... That was it, there was two bets. If John Daddy scores 20 goals, he'd streak... In um, in Borac Mankini from the bank <laughs> to the Queen Vic down Grange Road, and that okay. one we're never really going to see. But if he if he is still here after both transfer windows, then he will go for a swim in Blackpool.
1: Brilliant, the but, not in, but 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 there. not in the Mankini, or is that in uh, the Mankini <laughs> as well? Okay. No, okay. Not unless,
0: not unless someone wants to make a large donation to charity, and then right, uh, maybe okay. we can we can convince him <laughs> that way. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it will be able to make it, and I'm I'm not doing anything. I'm I'm not making any stupid guesses. Kai's got one as well that if we're if we get promoted, then he's safe. But if we don't get promoted, then he's going swimming at Bournemouth.
1: Oh, okay, well, Bournemouth, probably...
3: yeah, not so bad in May, is it? But
1: no. Uh, no. that might be nice actually. Kai yeah.
3: might might not be bad at all. Yeah, black in January, not one, not uh, yeah. not my cup of tea. Thanks, no, mm,
0: no, no, that's it. Well, look, Rich. Um, We've had you for about an hour and twenty minutes. I I I really really appreciate your time. Thanks to Kai, um for setting it up. We're definitely going to have to have you back uh, on a few more shows going forward, especially when Omar's back because Omar will will no doubt like to ask your opinion on a few uh, different things. You know, positioning and stuff like that within within Millwall. Um, but yeah, you've been a great guest. Yeah, no uh, worries. Um, um, much appreciated. Look, if you've enjoyed the show, you know what to do. It's give us that five ratings. Uh, five-star rating doesn't really do anything major makes us feel good um, and it livens up our group chat between us. But what it does do is help with um, breaking iTunes algorithm and helps to get us further up the iTunes um, charts as such, or puts us in front of more people really. Uh, Don't forget the show goes out on YouTube. If you're not really on YouTube, then you can find us at that Millwall pod. We're also all the way across social media with the same uh, account name, and you can find us across TikTok, Facebook, uh, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, etc., etc., etc. Don't forget, Richard is on Twitter. You can find him on—is it Rich Cowley?
1: Or yeah, Rich Cowley SLP. Rich Cowley SLP. SLP. Yeah.
0: There you go. You can find him. He's a. It's definitely good fun to follow, especially around transfer day. Uh, and remember, he's got about nineteen thousand followers. The copy account has about. Two or three. So um, just make sure when you see that that you'll see the difference and don't start following the wrong account. We'll be back again on Sunday night, stroke Monday morning. Uh you've been listening to that Mill Podcast. And thanks very much. We'll see you Bye bye. insurance hey chief we got a damaged rv on its way to the or well that
2: sounds like a job for the new head of rv surgery (laughs) wait are you promoting me congrats martinez Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of nursing.
0: So you're just promoting everyone now?
2: Yeah, kind of looks that way, doesn't it? When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates covered subject to policy terms. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery.